Hey, Kate. Is it on? <laughs> oh, you bastard. Hi, Ryan. So, Ryan, there's a lot to talk about today. Is there? I went to the dentist yesterday. Delightful. I'm so lucky to have dental insurance. Let me just say that. I don't, how is how is dental care not part of? I have no idea. Health care, like it's going no to a fucking hairdresser or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no idea. It makes me real cranky. Anyways, you're gonna you now. Yeah. I'm gonna get like 25 emails. I don't want to hear it. That you're snacking. I don't want to hear it. I'm eight months pregnant. <laughs> I'm eight months pregnant, and we had a viewer say that they missed hearing me snack. <laughs> We'll make it quick. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> now you're going to be so self-conscious the whole time. I just I had to put it in my mouth hole. Um, okay. So, went to the dentist, which is just fucking breathtaking. Uh-huh. I been having like shitty experience after shitty experience with like medical professionals lately so i love this guy he's really sweet um and he's telling me that like my gums are bleeding because i'm pregnant and i'm like i know and he's like yes well it's your hormones and i was like "Uh uh-huh and i was like it's also the fact that i have like a shitload of extra blood in my body right now something like 50 to 75 percent more blood in my body and he was like oh really like jeez. Okay, so I've got this moment where he didn't know that, and that bothered me. And then he found a cavity and was like, "We have to take care of it." I was like, "But it doesn't hurt. Can it wait till after I give birth?" And he's like, "No, no, 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 no. We really need. You know, if you kiss the baby and the bacteria from your mouth goes onto the baby." And I was like, "Fucking kidding me? What? Are you fucking kidding me?" And then I get a dental student who comes in. A dental... He's in school to be a dentist. Okay. As opposed to the hygienist. As opposed to the... Hygienists are awesome. They come in and they know their shit. Yeah, yeah, Get in and they get out. He... You know, poor guy. He's new. It's like... It was like having somebody for the first time floss you. It was really intimate and awkward. It was like a baby deer on ice skates in my mouth. And he was like... He's like, yeah, I, I just wrote a paper on uh, pregnancy and dentistry, and we, uh, you know, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. I was like, really? So the Novocaine doesn't go into my bloodstream and then into the baby? And he's like, yeah, but it's just like a little bit. I was like, okay. And if I'm like, my blood pressure goes through the roof because I'm really stressed out because you have a fucking drill in my mouth, that's okay, too. I'm just being a bitch, devil's advocate. And I was much friendlier to him, but I asked these questions with a big fucking smile and like his hand in my mouth. So I was more like, (laughs) 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 Um, but it's just like, I feel like it's, it just doesn't, it's not going to take much. It's going to take like two more interactions with medical professionals before I am like a conspiracy theorist. That's like, (laughs) I don't believe any of you saying anything ever. Yeah. So, I think I'll probably get the cavity dealt with. After. I, it doesn't hurt. 
And it was like new. It came out of nowhere. I feel like it can hold off until like, I don't know, September 1st. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just reminding me that everything's dense in a really long time. You gotta go. You gotta go. I I don't know. Maybe you don't. (laughs) Oh, and then this asshole, he's flossing me and he goes, he starts saying, you hear how it has, um, it's like, I was like, yeah, because my teeth are close together. He's like, yeah. Well, um, it's because you don't floss. And I said, I floss religiously every night. I replaced alcohol with flossing. Like, I am a (laughs) flosser. And uh, he was like, oh, oh, it must be because you had braces and they really put your teeth awfully close together. But, like, his first assumption was that I was very cranky. He's got three years to go in dental school, too. I was like, so what, you have your BA and you're in my mouth? Get out. Get out! God help any medical professional that you come in contact with. There's so many good ones out there. That's the thing. I've, had, I've just had like a train of bad ones lately. I understand how people get weird and are like, nope, don't believe anything they say. Yep. Nope. No, I believe. I, I totally understand how people... To be clear, I'm not there yet. But, but we're close. But we're not. We're we're a lot closer than than we were last year. So how about you? How are you doing, Ryan? Uh, I'm doing okay. How's that? How's that drink that you just inhaled? What are you talking about? There's like a centimeter reduction. I I will not be fucking shamed for how I eat or drink on this show. <laughs> not by you. Not by anyone. <laughs> Oh, good. I'm starving. So glad that we got coffee. <laughs> I have a sweaty face. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I didn't realize that you had switched to having two days off in a row. Well, I mean, they're still like days off, but now I have Monday and Tuesday off and teach Wednesday through, uh, through Sunday. So Monday and Tuesday, you are off from teaching. Yes. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the first time that that... This week was the first week that that actually occurred. Because 4th of July screwed everything up. But... Um, and you subbed? Like, yeah. Every class? Yeah. I'm assuming? Yeah. Okay. Not every class. I, I added an extra class on Tuesday and, and subbed a class on Monday. So... Which was fine. Um, but I was like... Oh, wow. I haven't done this in a while. What'd you do with your time? <laughs> um, what did I do? I just, nothing. Sweet, sweet nothing. Practice some yoga. Watch some TV. That's about it. <laughs> Made myself dinner. It sounds so good. Yeah. Um, so that's that's how I'm doing. So this is like, this is my Monday, or like midday on my Monday. Mm. I like having weekends that don't occur on weekends. Yeah, it's really quite nice. Because when you have to do errands or anything, nobody else is in yeah. your way. 
I went to the grocery store yesterday and it was delightful. There was no, there were maybe like four people actually shopping. Yeah, that is magnificent. It was, it was magnificent. Um, yeah, so um, what's the word of the day, Kate? Boundaries. <laughs> Not every word of the day has to be one you don't know. That's true. And what brought up this discussion of, of boundaries? Well, I did have a stranger grab my belly. That was fun. Was that the first time that that had happened? Well, this is what's interesting. People comment on your body really aggressively when you're pregnant. Um, And I think that because of my sort of build, I've gotten away with not getting a lot of people touching me or making comments because they're like, you know, Kate just gained weight. But I'm I'm sort of past that point now where it's like, you can tell. And, um, you know, I just, I got the old, I got double fisted. <laughs> I could have worded that better, but I, one hand, <laughs> yes, you one hand on both sides of the belly and a lot of eye contact. It was sweet. It was strange. I didn't altogether not enjoy it. <laughs> we all need to be touched, you know? It was fine. My dentist, though, when I got out of the chair, he said, you look like you, he's like, you're, you're carrying well. You look like uh, you could maybe be like five months. And I was like, uh, and I'm trying to suss out, is this an insult? Yeah, yeah, like that's I a weird, tell. that's or is a this weird, a compliment? What is this? What is that this? That is a very strange thing to say. And then I realized I, I'm like 5'10". But my inseam is like a 30. Okay. Which is, you know, petite. <laughs> like, roughly. Okay. It's, it, well, it's like, it's like average to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. short. So I'm all torso. So I think maybe the position I was in, I look. I don't know. Uh. People talk about you to your face. <laughs> they tell you what they think. It's true. So boundaries. Use it in a sentence. <laughs> I got a massage. This is another good one. I got I got a massage from my sister. It was wonderful. She is if you're ever in Providence, it's called Divine Providence Massage. She's fucking exceptional. But anyway, she ends every massage by spraying just a soft mist of essential oil. I go, what are you doing? <laughs> she goes, I'm sealing up your boundaries again. And I said, what? And she's like, no, no, no. It's just, you know, I've been touching you and you become sort of really receptive and open. And I'm just sort of giving you a moment to return to yourself. And I was like, oh, God, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I think boundaries have been in my mind a lot permeability, porousness, receptivity. <laughs> Again, with the way you're eating with blueberries. <laughs> you're so distractible today. God, I, know. I know. My eyes are up here. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. Uh, 
I feel very porous, though. Like, mm-hmm. the veil between me and other worlds is thin. <laughs> do you ever... Do you know what I'm talking about? You have yeah. to. Yeah. No, no, no. I know. Sure. Okay. It's an exciting place, but it's... Maybe that's how I feel whenever I come back from retreat. Yes. That's how it You've... looks like you feel when you come back from retreat. <laughs> You've witnessed such things. I have. Um... Hmm. Hey, another cool thing before we dive into something on that board. So I'm taking hypnobirthing and yes. a lot of uh, what they talk about is positioning the baby and every exercise you're supposed to do is fucking yoga. It's awesome. And it's just this like, here's my magic moment, Jay. If, if you're listening, like uh, I had this moment of, oh my God. <laughs> Everything, everything in physical therapy, everything that can, you know, has already been sort of discovered in yoga in a way, you know, there's very few movements that someone's been like, this is really going to help you that I'm not like, yeah, that's triangle pose or like, you know, or like that's a supine twist. Um, But everything is about balancing your pelvic floor. Yeah. Because when we have a lot of asymmetries from sitting and postural habits and like all the ligaments in here can put the baby in a weird position if they're not balanced. Mm -hmm. So, you know, basically it's anahata asana, puppy pose, low lunge, anjane asana. They have different names, but... (laughs) Yeah, sure. You gotta name them, you know. Um, Dolphin. Oh. Flaring the tailbone in dolphin, basically. Oh, and if you can, putting your knees on a couch in dolphin. Oh, fancy. Because then there's less uh, strain on your hamstrings, and it's more about just your pelvis sort of flaring, your tailbone flaring. Uh-huh. Oh, but malasana. Mm-hmm. I knew that one. I mean, like, these are all things I knew, but it was nice going to a different sort of practice and having them be like all those things you're doing just keep doing it yeah yeah (laughs) those blueberries ryan is super disinterested in pregnancy and birth (laughs) it's fun it's fun like if i were talking about how has the one thing you're missing on this podcast is the light behind Ryan's eyes <laughs> dimming or turning off completely, <laughs> or you know, swelling to a crescendo when we talk about something else. Sure, <laughs> I should come up with some sort of auditory meter to describe the light behind your eyes. This is quickly turning into a Celine Dion song, yeah. <laughs> Get a pound on your chest. <laughs> that was <laughs> great. That was like, did the baby get angry with that? I don't know. Something did. <sighs> oh. All right. So. Are you like done with teaching classes or are you? Or how are you feeling with all I that? I love it. I love it so much. Right now, I'm forced to absolutely be different with my teaching in terms of, um, I teach a lot sitting 
mm-hmm. now more than more than I used to. I used to like walk around and do a couple of things and sometimes it adjust or assist yeah. or just walk around like be and um in the heat in this body i i usually am rooted but i feel like i see i'm seeing so much more i had someone say that my class was harder and I that's interesting i've heard that before though and i've experienced that with other teachers that, oh okay where i was like oh my god what are they doing to me um and the truth is, like, my practice is very different than what I'm teaching now. Like, sure. wildly, I'm not going to offer a prenatal, here's how Kate rolls around, class for an all-level 6 p.m. slow flow. That's not the right thing to do mm-hmm. at the studio I teach at. Sure. So, you know, there's part of me that might be, like, a little... There's a distance... Most of those practices I've practiced enough to know, but it's possible it's harder. I think sometimes I'm a little bit more like, no, man, it's cool. Don't do it. No, man, it's cool. Don't do it. No, man, it's cool. Don't do it. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) But I've been enjoying it a lot. How long do you, are you going to stop at some point or are you just going to keep going until it's time? I have a couple classes at a gym I teach at that I am having somebody start my leave August 1st so that I'm not, those are off the yeah. schedule until I come back as of August 1st. So that'll give me a little time with those. And then I have the same thing at a I cut back one of my Saturday classes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going from like 10 to 7 classes. Mm-hmm. And then I... And this is something I've honestly been struggling with. My plan has been to just teach until I go. Yeah. Um, because I'm okay right now. I don't know that I will be. I mean, it might change, but... Yeah. The alternative is to not teach and to go home and have space and time to nest which might be nice but it also might be like really anxiety producing Mm -hmm. to not be occupied the way I've been this is a big source of tension between Nick and I is talking about what the perceived right amount of work to do is when you're about to give birth. Oh, sure, yeah. You know? I don't know the answer to that question. I just know I feel good when I'm moving and I feel good when I'm doing what I love doing. Yeah. So until I don't feel good doing it, why wouldn't I just... Do it. Yeah. Yeah. The other piece of this, honestly, is that... um, the women I'm surrounded by who have recently been through this have taught right up until they've released their waters. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I, no, no, there's an exception. Someone someone went, went on leave a week before their due date. But I don't fucking know what yeah. the right thing to do is. I mean, it's whatever you feel like is the right thing to do. If, if I was teaching, 
if I wasn't teaching well or I felt distracted in the classroom, uh-huh. I'd be out. I wouldn't yeah, yeah, yeah. like let someone else come in and do a better job. But like I feel really engaged and like in an interesting yeah. headspace. So I'm probably saying some weird shit to people, but <laughs> when am I not? <laughs> I know how how is that any different than just normal? Yeah, that's true. I don't know how to pivot. You don't have to know, Ryan. Just pivot. What do you mean, biomechanics? Did you read Jay's blog? No. Fuck. Um, so, this has been coming up a lot, and I, I mean, I argued with people, including my own teacher, about this all the time. Um... The uh, I will put this link in the bio. I don't. I don't think we'll talk necessarily about the article specifically, but just to use it as a jumping-off point. Um, the it's called "My Body Is Not a Machine," um, and um, it's this really interesting. There's hmm. Because on the one hand, yes, um, I totally agree that, 100% agree that, like, this push towards, like, if we just teach people about biomechanics, that yoga will be inherently safer, that's not necessarily true that's probably not true at all because they're just going to learn certain rules about biomechanics and be dogmatic about those rules about biomechanics and not really know but at the same time like there's like a subheader in the article that i like whenever i see this i always want to sort of i don't want to maybe not push back but like i always want to question it um my body cannot be reduced to parts. Mm-hmm. However, because absolutely 100% true, the body is, is a closed system and, and it, it is a living and breathing organism. And some, you know, certainly to think about like individuating every muscle that like you would in a, a you know, AMP course and, and, uh, isn't necessarily helpful in terms of just your everyday yoga practice. However, we have to have some way to understand and to organize our awareness of the body. So whether that's, if someone wants to use technical anatomical terms for that, then that's fine but someone could also very easily just make up diff- some different names and some stuff and like come up with their own way that they choose to organize their body that is the way that seems to be helpful you could organize your understanding of the body around the nadis around subtle like you you could gotcha. or, you know it just so or happened your idea of the organs yeah however it is
just as fascinating as it as it is to think about, you know, I don't know, more the more, more subtle dimensions of our awareness and our, our consciousness. Like, it is really helpful when I'm experiencing suffering to be able to count the parts of my body and know the discrete actions that are, are possible and be like, oh, okay. After taking inventory of of the body, I now realize that like, oh, there's something going on in this area. (laughs) And yes, I might very well use a Latin term. But like what Leslie was saying when he was here is like sometimes those muscle names are just really to point at the location of sensation. Not necessarily really having an understanding of the complexity and the interweave. People say, uh, I've got a hamstring thing going on. They're using hamstring as a locational tool to point to the back of the leg, right? There's no way to discreetly know what exactly what muscle is sending the response that is being perceived as like there's no there's no way to know that for sure um i think you hit a, hit on something really unexpectedly I, I didn't expect this to be the thing oh what were you expecting me to no it, no it's just it's it's i thought we were going to disagree on this in a really big way but when you say when i'm suffering identifying the location and the discrete actions and the surrounding possible Latin names of the location of the suffering is of value. And I completely agree with that because the times I have found myself in yoga being most curious about understanding biomechanics and anatomy and relational action in my body is when I've been in serious pain. You know, and it, it's like sort of a way to, it's a way to cope and contain and, yeah. and, and self-prescribe and get creative about how can I get the fuck out of pain. And the other side of that is when I'm not in pain, when I'm like moving with fluidity and joy, if you start bringing in anatomical shit, I'm like, get the fuck out. I don't want it. <laughs> like, so sometimes when it gets quote unquote heady or booky yeah. or Latin, and I'm feeling good. Yeah. It's because I'm associating those terms on some level with like a prescriptive suffering. And mm-hmm. if I'm practicing from a place of like non-suffering or I, or I just happen to not be in pain. Yeah. But it is, I mean, it, and I do think that a lot of the talk, like I actually agree with like most of almost a hundred percent of what, Jay said in the article and then the the podcast that he did with Amy Matthews the week before. Um, there's a... It, it all points to, uh, for me anyway, just... 
an inability to uh, deal with uncertainty. Like, I identify as a yoga practitioner. Now I have an injury. Now I'm going to go learn about biomechanics so that I can fix my injury. And the truth is, is that we don't really even know what causes pain. I mean, that's what science is telling us. Like, we don't know that a disc herniation causes is the discrete cause of cause of pain unto itself. We don't know that, um, you know, I bet you if you and I went in and, and got MRIs of our knees that we'd have meniscal te- tears, like visible tears in, in the tissue, but they aren't, at least my knees are not in pain today or, you know, are not historically places that I have to, to work with. Um, so... The biomechan the the I think a lot of the biomechanic discussion is overly simplistic, but there's a value in trying to understand the body in a simple way, and just understanding that that's not the full story. Like there's still a value to understanding that there's a bicep and a tricep, and they have a certain relationship. Like, there's still a value to that. Is it really the, like, protagonist-antagonist relationship as it was described to me in my first teacher training? No, it's, I think, is probably a little bit more complex than that. Um, especially when you start bringing in all of the other neurological processes that fire for me to control how quickly and how, you know, whether I'm, um, what other small actions I'm doing to stabilize even just the motion to bring my arm out to the side. Um, like, yeah, that gets moderately complex. So it is helpful to have an understanding that the elbow does this. And that's a fairly accurate I'm flexing and extending my elbow. <laughs> that is a, that's a fairly accurate description of what's going on in the body. Um, but we have to be willing to, and this is, this is where I think the study of anatomy and biomechanics, especially in relationship to yoga, can go wrong, is looking for a discrete answer. Every time I've gone looking for a discrete answer in my body, I've hit some sort of, oh, I don't, I think that's what I'm feeling. Or I have no idea what that sensation is. I have no idea whether that's muscular sensation or whether that's, uh, or whether I can discern muscular sensation from fascial sensation or whether that sensation is, um, nerve related or or arising out of a lack of circulation or these things are ambiguous but it's helpful to be able to have an organization of how we're going to talk about the body because otherwise communication both with ourselves and with others becomes difficult 
that makes sense. Say more about the discrete thing. Maybe I'm just not... Like, is it in fact helpful to... Let me think of an example. How helpful is it to have a, and and actually you could have a discussion as to whether this is even possible, but to have a direct diagnosis of what's going on in your body from a doctor. From a musculoskeletal sense of things. That's a big question. Because certainly there are organic issues that, like, yeah, that, that's that's really fucking helpful. Um, but, like, if I have... Well, let's talk about how it's not helpful. And then let's talk about how it is helpful. So the times where I've seen it not be helpful is when people are told that they're... When, when what the person who's receiving the diagnosis hears is that they're broken... And then, therefore, they just sort of freeze and decide that they can't move around anymore. They have to be careful. And, of course, the challenging thing with that is, you know, because that usually comes up around, you know, sometimes it's a specific joint issue. Sometimes it's just general sort of osteoporosis, osteopenia, stuff like that. Um, Comes up a lot with herniation. Yeah healthy movement now certainly there are probably depending on the degree and depending on what specifically is going on there may be things that are advisable not to do but you know especially with something like a osteoporosis or osteopenia like the only way that you can maintain the mass the bone mass um that you have is through doing is through loading the bones it's to provide them load to experience yeah. <laughs> um, so I think so much of the there there's so much through physical therapy through through yoga through the emerging field of yoga therapy, there's, there tends to be a lot of like, no, that thing is really dangerous, but yet the person just bent over to tie their shoe in deep flexion and they're fine. So it's like, it's this, it's this looking for a, a discreet, right and wrong it's looking for a muscle to blame it's uh somehow uh, this is this might be what it gets because this is this is a very confusing thing to me because i have learned so much about my body from studying biomechanics and anatomy but the thing that i constantly have to combat against is itting the body like like somehow the back compartment of the calf is not part of me. 
like disassociating in the naming. No, this is my my calf. <laughs> it belongs here on my body, and I'm experiencing sensation in it. Interesting. But if I start, and it happens all, you're looking at me like, this is so minor, it doesn't even matter, but it happens all the time. No, I don't think it's so minor, it doesn't matter. I actually am really... It, it happens all the time, especially when there is some form of suffering in the body. We immediately personify the part of the body, or I immediately personify the part of the body that is perceived to be suffering. And that... might come from the fact that that's also how we're trained to relate to medicine and doctors to like go in with like, yeah, this thing hurts, Mm -hmm. fix it. But from a sort of self-care perspective, that's not necessarily helpful. Well, it's a useful entry point. Oftentimes. Well, no, sure, it's a useful, but it, as a as a long term strategy. No, it's never the long term yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. No. Um, and so I I, I kind of go because I'm all about I'm all about anthropomorphizing Schenectady. Remember this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Schenectady. Sorry. I was like only in New York. Schenectady. <laughs> Schenectady. Yeah. I think it's valuable, like, it helps me to, in a culture that has torn psyches out of bodies and said, you are the sum of your parts, you know, and said, this is good, this part of your body is good and looks good, and this part is bad and looks bad, especially women, you know, just being broken up like a fucking diagram of a cow going to the slaughter like here's your fucking beautiful tits and everything's great let's just spot correct your belly like you know there's a long history of breaking up the body and sometimes to bring it back together you have to honor the fact that it's been psychically broken apart from you so you have to say that's fair Hey, I'm anthropomorphizing. Oh, my hip, my and I I do it often. I do it in a compassionate way. Like I often think of it as animals, and it's really. That see, but in in what you just said, you said my. I'm talking about when you don't use the possessive. I I'm, what I'm saying is my body is full of its and others. Sure. But the collective, I call mine. But the experience of it is that of being a farmer in a barnyard. Those <laughs> animals are mine, but they're not. You know, and sure. that is something that I think will be corrected over millennia, generation to sure. generation of. <laughs> but, but it also, you know, as I'm thinking through this on the spot, you can't can't really say that dissociation is altogether a bad strategy because sometimes it's a necessary strategy i can't think of a time in my practice when that's 
But we're, that's going down. No, this is interesting. Dissociate. So there's dissociation that happens culturally, which is what I was referring to. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the dissociation that happens, uh, you know, that's like the collective dissociation. Sure. But then there's the individual dissociation that that is the result often of trauma. And that'll sure. be, you know, and that's like another even layer of detachment. Sure. But they're all... There, it's all tied together. The only thing I can think of currently that is of use within that paradigm is saying, all right, I'm already thinking within the framework of othering myself. So how can I at least do it in a way where I am welcoming all of the others back into the barn? <laughs> sure. And and the way that, it, and I when I've listened back to the classes that I've recorded, I've caught myself doing this, and now I'm not going to remember the exact phrasing. Oh, it'll be it'll be something like I will give a body. Well, how, it's like I will ask people to feel a particular part of the body in a given moment and I will say the hip or something like that and I will stop mid-sentence and say repeat myself and say your hip interesting and I've caught that like on the last three or four classes that I've that I've recorded question I'm, I'm going to drive the pony chassis in another direction. There is part of me philosophically that is like not opposed to the disownership of things, of like detaching in a way that is, I'm not talking about dissociation. I'm just okay. saying like the body and my body the life, my life, like oh, my, my, my grabby, grabby ownership. There's part of me that like has found comfort in being like, no, I'm, I'm on some acid trippy way thinking very much like collective, you know, I just think arguably there are moments when it's okay for it to be the body and not your body. Cause you know what this is, this is quote unquote, my body for like a second and then it goes back to the earth you know and it's not mine anymore it's i'm a fucking shepherd of whatever this meat cage is for 10 (laughs) seconds so yeah but see i this this is this is where this is where i think things get that that shit is dangerous oh why is it dangerous because it it doesn't there's not enough context within statements like that to talk about The thing that is experiencing the body is you. Quotes the body. Like, to have an experience of your body... I am not my body, though. What experiences my body is quote-unquote me, but it is not... There's a lot of gripping and ownership to that kind of language that I resist. No, but, but to say that... I am, this is the thing. To say I am not my body is the thing that I have seen in practitioners that I've known leads them down like, oh, well, that just means I should be able to wrap my leg entirely behind my upper back Fair. and bind my arm in this weird way. 
Well, the abnegation and self-care. I, I totally see what you're saying because the kind of language I'm using is often employed by people that are uh, suffering with PTSD and there's a history of trauma. And that's absolutely the case with me. And I recognize that you can go in one direction with this where you're like, I'm not my body, therefore... I can live on air and breath and sun. I can, sure, you know, I can or whatever. It's. Yeah, you know, and I can throw my foot with enough focus and with yeah, enough yeah. discipline. I can tame this thing that is not me. I mean it more from a sense of the things I can do now. I don't expect to be able to do forever because there is no permanence in my body. Well, sure, but that's but but I'm acknowledging. So my captures a moment in time. Just hear me out philosophically. My demands a fixed moment in time. It becomes object. So I see myself as this continually evolving organic creature because I fucking am. Therefore, it's never mine because it's always changing. So that's a way for me to accept and enjoy and embrace the experience of existing within a changing form. Is to not call it mine. To not fix it in time. I don't know that... I don't know that I agree that my permanently fixes a moment in time. I don't I don't think it does. I think you can have my without with an understanding of impermanence and constant evolution and constant change. My body in this moment feels X. Yep, but it requires that additional language. Totally agree with you. And it's not something that I believe so strongly in that when I teach I don't say ownership terms. Sure. I just like to play with them. Like yeah, to yeah, me yeah. it's important to not always say my or the language articles, possessive pronouns, all of it matters. And the frequency with which we use them and the militancy with which we use or do not use them can be meaningful. So I personally, I see what you're saying. I don't think that it inherently requires it to be a fixed state to say my, but I think that there is a little bit of implication of, um, it's stationary when it is possessed it is held and that is sometimes limited. So there is a way for me to experience my body in a more accepting and welping, welcoming way that is not um, possessive and gripping of youth and ability and what I have right this second. Because the one thing that I get from yoga is I'm a lot more comfortable with receiving and letting things go and watching things change and that includes this fucking body oh yeah absolutely. which happens absolutely. to be mine so i get to play with it by saying well, yeah is it no no i agree that the question of is it is important and fun to play with 
I just I I get Also, it's not my body. I gotta say that. Culturally, politically, this is not my fucking body. Well, that's... No, no, no. But that's you know? what I was saying And living in we this culture down. as a fucking woman who has spent her entire life either dealing with um, physical violence, sexual violence, being objectified, having my value contingent upon parts of my body, it's very much not in this culture my body. So, so I will not reclaim it by using a false term that doesn't feel right. So uh, this is this is what I was meant to go before we went inward, is that when we're having this conversation, we have to contextualize... On what level are we actually talking about? All of them. But to but depending on what level we're talking about, we can is a slightly different context. I'm not saying it's a radically different context. If we're talking culturally and politically and socially, that's a conversation that can be had. But it's about a group, a collective of human beings. And certainly we can talk about the collective's effect on the individual. We can't separate those two because within the collective are people that have experienced it. No, 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 no. But, but that's what I'm saying is like you, there is, and this is where the people who are saying like, because now, now we've, the way that you just used I am not my body is very different than the way that most people use I am not my body. Which is some in in my my sense um, feels like a, a more the well that means I can focus and and crank myself into like that it becomes nihilistic like this shit doesn't really matter because I am no I'm saying spirit. I don't I have the privilege right now of it being my body I do not live in a culture that has allowed it to be my body that that's will totally I fair. you know and so that's part of it but the other part of it is saying okay. Now, how can I leverage and play with that in a way that is actually more self-possessed? And that's to say there's impermanence in this body. Yeah. So those two things can coexist. I think we're pointing at the same thing. So within my framework, I am not advocating for the self-abnegation throwing it behind the head. I'm saying let's look at what we've done to certain groups of people. And it can happen to anybody. Sure. This isn't like just, oh fucking white lady yoga teacher had some shit happen when she was a teen. You know what I mean? It's not just that. It's this can happen to all humans. Sure. That we feel like it is not our body. We do. This is what we do as a species. Yeah. Um, No, it's a, it's a distinct trope. Yes. Mechanism to freeze. Um, But also to dehumanize and to compartmentalize and to break apart. Uh, and value based on meat chunks, human bodies. That's there's a sure. there's a long history of that, and so that's why I don't feel so interested in mine until we solve like larger except semantic except issues. you in a room alone on your mat. may choose not to use mine
And I guess that's what I'm... I'm, I'm vastly interested in how this plays out between yoga teacher and yoga student and within the larger culture, but it's not that I'm necessarily advocating for always use mine. The interesting part of that discussion is noticing when I don't. And maybe why. And why that is. Yeah. The interesting part of the discussion is being in Tom's office and being like, I need you to go home and because I record all of my sessions with him. I need you to go home and listen back to how many times you gated everything that you just described about sensations in your own body. Well, a sensation could be an it too you know like the body the, might be yours but the sensation no the body the sensation is certainly mine i'm feeling it through it's an my energy that passes through the body that you identify that doesn't yes but in that moment it is, it is I, my me myself is experiencing a sensation on the side of my neck attention which i uh um which i um identify as a tension pattern But I am having the experience of it. It's not my stupid neck that's having the experience of it. It's mine. I can take care of it. That's what I. That's what mine points me to is that I can take care of myself. And also, part of that is knowing when to oh, ask for help. Oh, and it feels less yes. like you have agency in yes. caring and correcting yes. and healing. Yes, alleviating it. That's interesting. This makes me. Two things. One is you're burned. So, like, you put your hand on a stove. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm going to describe the pain. And the pain, I use the term, it hurts. Well, what hurts? I am not the burn. The burn is other. I'm experiencing it through the vehicle of my body. So there's, that's an example of like when I'm okay with it being itted. But if it's a, sure, when sure, you're sure. describing like a pattern. Yeah. And it's, that is, that is sitting and there is no clear indication of why. And you're trying to figure that out. That's where I understand the mind yeah. because it points to how do I correct yes. the burn? It's like, well, we know what we got to fucking do. Yeah, exactly. Itted. Yeah. Cause it's a fucking burn. Yeah. And that's what your nervous system is doing to a certain extent. It's pulling away and and getting you. Yeah. Isn't this, this is really interesting to me. But that's, that's the, I'm glad we got to this because that's the context in which the I am not my body like really triggers me is like, because exactly what you were saying before being like two seconds away from never going to another medical professional again, Mm -hmm. it's like, For the most part, like, I have a fair amount of tools and have been lucky enough to have been taught a a fair amount of tools to take care of myself. And so there is that, like, panic that's associated with suffering. And because of our relationship to the medical profession, we, we all have ingrained in us some, like, oh, my God, this thing hurts and I'm never going to be able to do X, Y, Z again and vote. And so I have to go see a doctor and, you know, for some people that's like, okay, well, that means I have to have surgery now. Like something hurts, so I have to, 
have an intervention when it's never that clear cut and to say, ah, got this thing going on. My neck hurts. Well, let me see what I can feel going on in there. Let me move it around. And I might not find anything. I might not be skilled enough to differentiate what, what I'm feeling. But then, if that's the case, then I'm going to go and ask for help. If it's just like, oh, I slept weirdly and I've got a little bit of a tension pattern, then okay, that's that. I was just thinking how this might translate psychologically. Well, I also think it can translate, like, I would hope that it, it translates culture, culturally as well, because, like, it's, it's a question of agency. Can I be a dick for a second? Yeah. So I think about my rudimentary and adolescent reading of the Gita where we were talking about Atman, self, yep. Tatvamasi, and Neti Neti. Mm-hmm. And I have always sort of, and in other religious contexts too, sure. we won't talk about the Catholicism, but we'll talk about how when I was first exposed to the idea of it's, it's this, it's this, not this, not this. Okay. The self. Uh-huh. So when I go into a yoga classroom and I'm thinking within that framework, I, yes, it's this, it's this, but it's also not this, it's not this. It's you, it's you, but it's also not. You know, it's like the sense of permeability and boundaries. Oh, daddy back in. Five points. Of connectedness and how we're all the same organism. Do- <laughs> it's it's like almost like my brain. head against the wall. You did, because this is... <laughs> We've gone into the intellectual deep end, Ryan. Yes. And we're drowning. We're drowning. (laughs) But, you know, there is a historical precedent set for the ambiguity. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what... Atman, of self, of I, me, mine. Sure. But there's also, especially within the context of Buddhism, a recognition. And, you know what? Within the context of Samkhya, too. Within the context of Patanjali. And anyone who wants to argue with me, we can argue. But there is... There is a context in which we have a um, relative self and an absolute sense of self. And we have Prakriti and we have Purusha. Now that's not, people are going to be angry with me because that's not usually how those are mapped. But um, what we experience moment to moment to negate that is silly. We experience sensations, emotions, uh, uh, lots of things within property, and there's nothing fundamentally wrong with that. And we can understand the truth of relativity at the same time as understanding the sort of absoluteness of 
of like okay so for for example four noble truths they're truths because they're relatively absolute in their in their descriptions all all beings experience suffering all humans experience suffering there's a cause of suffering we can end suffering and there's a path with which to do it to frame it in a relative sense we can become aware of the fact that we are suffering of what the suffering is moment to moment we can think about it in a simple way and um we can sort of hold in the back of our mind the fact that there's some way to alleviate it like that can be the frame through which we look at look at suffering and alleviate it may not be making it go away in fact it probably isn't but it's another context which people might be more familiar with is yoga chitta narodaha so sometimes that's translated as cessation as it is in in the buddhist context too the third noble truth is narodaha as well um But there's also translations that say something like yoga is the stilling of the fluctuations of consciousness. Now, that's a way more relative. That's in process. At least that's what I take the word stilling, the use of the word stilling instead of cessation to mean. So we have to be able to hold. It's, it's neither this or that. Both can be held at the same time even if they appear contradictory. How about that for a deep dive? Yeah, it just backs up my idea that it's okay in the classroom for it not to be my. It's okay for it to be the. And for me to have a distance and experiential scenario that encourages unity in a classroom... And it's okay to encourage being awake and alive and having agency in body parts via my, me, mine. Yeah. You know, they both have, they both have value and they both have dangers, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I fucking hate the word dangers in this context. We've both used it now. Yeah. Well, the I think I think one thing that 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 a lot of this talk um, is not well equipped to deal with is is a discussion of identity, and that's the context in which I used dangerous. I feel like sometimes this talk of uh, I am not my body or 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 something to that effect, some more sort of transcendent approach to practice. Uh, has a way of negating uh, someone's identity as a contributing factor in how they experience the world and how you experience the world affects how your body responds to the world. And that's why they both have to exist. Yeah. First, you have to firmly have the self care thing down. You have to be like my, me, mine. Here's how I can. Yeah. Here's how I can ask for help when I need it. Here's how I can 
speak in a healthful and balanced way about being a human. So baseline, when you have that, you can then play with the relative universal experience of it being the the collective hour. Yeah. And the almost... And, and I don't like the term you used about, what was it, did you say to supersede, to go above? I'm saying that that's one possible... Yeah, I see it as stepping back. Well, it, Not necessarily going up, but going out. Sure, sure. And and I think that that is that is the purpose of the ap- the conversation of the absolute is to have a broader awareness. Yeah, I can find that location when yeah balanced with the healthy I me mind. That but, can be a really but we can't deny that place. there is a through line totally. in modern yoga practice that is about totally. transcendence. Yes, absolutely, that is about. Let me abnegate and let yeah. me let me actually hate myself through this avenue of yeah. transcendence. Let me hate myself more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I am not talking about that. Yeah. But I am talking about co-opting that into something else when built on a foundation of something that feels a little bit healthier. Sure. <laughs> when it however you just Yeah. But there is a lot of that in fucking yoga, you're right. But a lot of it honestly comes from people that have experienced some severe shit that brought them there. Not all of them, but it's a a survival self-care reflex to self-abnegate, you know? Mm -hmm. It's, It's devil's advocate. It's not malicious. You know, people that are starving themselves are not, you know, people that are over exercising. This isn't a. It is just as deserving of reflection and compassion because there, that's a that's just another form of suffering. Well, absolutely, yeah. So I don't want to let them own that language. When of transcend. Oh no! I think there's a really powerful case to be made for trying to redefine what that word could mean um if i (laughs) as kate wipes the guacamole from her face Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyways i think that that ryan wants to put a bow on it so we're gonna put a bow on it what else you got up there performers what's that Oh, I sent you that. The just that there. Uh, my friend um, uh, Michael showed me the Lifetime Fitness website. <gasps> yes. And how they how they call everyone performers, and it prompted an eye roll from me, of course. And uh, then we could have had a nuanced conversation about how there is an element of performance in teaching. And then come back around to the fact that you should, really shouldn't call them performers. <laughs> That's how I envisioned so that So that website that you too. sent me, they were calling all the teachers performers? Yeah, the group fitness instructors, yeah. <sighs> I saw that and then I went to look at who was teaching there. Oh, fair. <laughs> I was like, who's that? Um, so, yeah. 
that was a far less interesting conversation than the one we just had. So, yeah, but you know, Ryan, at the end of the day, are, are all teachers performers? Yes. Do they do other shit that we? I mean, what's so bad about being a performer? Says the devil's advocate without guacamole. There's, I, I will stick with what I said. There is an element of performance in teaching, no doubt. But I associate performing with playing the saxophone. And that is a very, when you get up on stage to play, like, that doesn't feel the same as getting in front of a room to teach a yoga class. But there's also, like, performance and performing are different things. Um, I just think teaching is inherently, like, a, let's, let's just imagine... A philosophy professor sure. with three students sharing, educating. He has to do that through some form of... Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. There's an element of... I just... I just found it an odd choice to call because well, they mean instructors. It. They mean it in the sense of athletic performance. That's what I thought was gross. Oh. Because they were saying, like, hey, you want to improve your performance... You want to improve your performance on the football field, on the golf racket? You know what I mean? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like the, sure, okay. It's performance in that regard that I find gross when you think about yoga because it's like, how can I be a better performer? Yeah. Why am I talking like that? How, what, how can I be better? <laughs> how can I perform asana better? Sure. So that's what I thought was gross. It's gross either way. Yeah, sure. We can agree with that. I hope this is salvageable. <laughs> Again, I think this one was fucking awesome. Ryan thinks it's garbage. You weigh in. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to everybody who donated. There were a few no- new donations that came in this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It really helps a lot. Um, and uh, uh, I promise to get that Patreon thing up and running at some point. Um, and... Uh, uh, you can find us on Instagram, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us uh, just by emailing us at unrolledpodcast at gmail.com or going to unrolledpodcast.com. And um, uh, if you've made it this far and could follow what the fuck we were saying, I congratulate you. You are an amazing human being. And we'll see you next week. Godspeed. Godspeed. <laughs>